Would you like to know when Jesus is returning? Well, he is scheduled to come on October 22nd, 1844. Well, nope, that didn't happen. Well, change that date. Let's make it 1914. Nope, it didn't happen then. Well, let's change the date one more time to September 11th, 1988. No, we know Jesus did not return then either. Yet it has not kept people from trying to figure out when he's returning. Well, welcome to Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. I'm Lynn Pryor and co-hosted with with, uh, Chris Johnson. And Chris, that's our topic today. We're going to look at this idea of what it means to uh, what Jesus said about the timing of his return. Well, thank you, Lynn, for the introduction. Those those dates are fascinating to hear that. It, uh, when you said 1988, September, uh, I actually started my first pastorate, and it could have been one of the shortest um, pastorates in history if he had actually uh, come when that guy said. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, I was two weeks there. Uh, we're delighted to have Cliff Lee with us. Cliff is the writer for the uh, the study. Uh, Christ Return, Living with the End in Mind. Cliff, thank you for being with us on our podcast today. Hey, my privilege to be back with you guys. We well, were you talking. did a great job writing, and so we're grateful to have the opportunity to also have you um, in, involved in our podcast. Lynn. Thank well, you. Chris, let me tell you why I wanted Cliff to write this. Number one, he has written for us before and does an excellent job as a writer, but Cliff's father, Dr. Tommy Lee, was my uh, theology professor at Southwestern, and my doctoral work on Revelation was with him, and he had such an influence on me, and I, I just knew Dr. Lee's influence had to just kind of go down the family tree there and hit Cliff too. <laughs> Man. So, uh, and uh, but Cliff, you did you did as you did. This is an excellent study you provided us, so thank you. Thank you. I, I enjoyed doing it. It, but I, I got a little bit shaky in my boots from one of the first commentaries I read said something like, this is one of the most controversial passages in the Bible. I was like, thank you, Lynn. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. So what we're going to look at today, uh, this session is that Jesus is certain to return. Yes. But even though we don't know exactly when that will be, that's our focus on this passage. We're going to begin and uh, pick up in Matthew 24, uh, verse 32. So, guys, let me tell you, let me just read this passage, a couple of verses here, and uh, let you guys run, run with some comments on it. This is verse 32. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branches become tender and sprout leaves, you know that summer is near. And in the same way, when you see these things, recognize that he is near at the door. So we ask a lot of questions with uh, Bible Studies for Life, and one of the ones that uh, we encourage our senior adults to discuss was uh, this question, uh, what what, your, what changes in nature do you tend to notice? Because when he talked about the fig tree, that he was talking about something that everybody, everybody knows. So what are some things in nature that you look to as certain signs that Something's going to happen. The seasons are going to change, those kind of things. So I, I think that, that those kind of questions can sometimes be a softball to get people uh, talking um, about their own observations regarding nature. Yes, I. Uh, it is interesting to think about what Christ was doing because he's obviously saying that you, when you see, if you were to see a fig tree, you wouldn't say, oh, the date of the, when the figs are going to be is this particular date. <laughs> you didn't know the specific date, but you knew okay, it's getting closer because I see this budding. And so he's once again 
telling believers the specific date's not available to you, but there are certain things that are going to happen. The things that our teachers have been studying these last few weeks up to ver- you know, verses one through 31, there are certain things that are general signs for when he'll return. And, and so basically this just, this analogy pushes us further to the concept of watchfulness, watch, be ready. And when the time is fully ready, then the divine king will be right at the door, eager to come in. We come now to verse 34. Jesus continues speaking. He says, truly, I tell you, this this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now, I'm going to tell you, we love verse 35, this idea that my words will never pass away. The, the, yes. The, the wonder of God's word on that. But I got to throw this question out about verse 34. When Jesus talks about this generation will not pass away, what generation is he talking about? Well, um, this is where the theologians are hired to do what they do. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have, and this will be an interesting discussion for the, for the teachers in the class. Uh, there'll be different perspectives. Um, I might just point out that th- there are three major views on this. Uh, the first view is that Christ is saying that this generation refers to the group right before 70 AD. So assuming that Christ was speaking uh, these words in the early 30s AD, he's trying to say that the, the general grouping of people listening to me, uh, we, you're, you're going to see some of the things described in verses 4 through 20 before you pass away. That would be the, the first view. Specifically, the destruction of the temple, eighty-seven. Exactly. Yes, okay. I meant to point that out. Yes, um, others would say that the whole Shamil, the whole thing, refers to only future events, which I would say can be done, but it's hard to look at verses four through twenty as specifically future events because it does really speak. It does seem to be implying the things that happened in seventy A.D. So. What, what makes more sense to me, it doesn't, it doesn't el- eliminate all questions and all problems, but to speak of it as a hybrid view or what's referred to sometimes as dual fulfillment. In other words, it's possible that Jesus had both the destruction of Jerusalem on his mind and the events that precede the return. Um, if that's the case, so right before this, right before verse 32, Christ described the return in verse 31. So, uh, at least most people feel that he is describing very clearly the second coming. And so I'm inclined to think that though both 70 AD and the end of the age return of Christ are implied, that it's sort of a dual fulfillment. And so I'm, I believe that more the this generation is re- referenced to the future return. Lynn, Lynn you mentioned the emphasis on uh, the importance and the, power and the authority of God's word um, found in verse, verse 34. And um, again, this is an opportunity, I think, for our group members to talk about uh, that, that dynamic. When has God's word proven true in your life? When have you experienced uh, God's word in a real personal, intimate way uh, being real in your life? And I think that gives some of our folks an opportunity to talk um, about the importance of the word of God uh, where maybe they haven't talked a whole lot about in times in their conversations. That's a good point because you can look at, you can look at portions of the scripture that 
have really spoken to you and helped you in your walk, and you can look at those passages, yes, I know this is God's word. So therefore, based on that, these other portions of God's word, like say maybe Matthew 24, that I don't fully understand, I can still trust because good. it is God's word. Um, that, that's, a, that's a good thought. Thanks, Chris. Let me get us into verse 36, because this kind of gets really to the heart of this idea of uh, we've been building to that Jesus is certain to return, even though we don't know exactly when. Uh, I'm going to read verse 36 to 41. Now, concerning that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, except the Father alone. And as the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son man will be. But in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding grain in a handmill, and one will be taken and one left. Cliff, you said um, in your uh, writing in the uh, personal study guides that um, – this might be the most famous, well-known verse in, in this discourse. Yes. Yes, uh, it is well-known, and it's sometimes ignored. <laughs> I mean, even some very <laughs> famous books of recent uh, bestsellers have, set, have basically contradicted verse 36 and, and infer that it's important to know the time. And uh, Christ was clear. You can know the general time, but you can't know the, the specifics. I sometimes think about why he said that. Um, think about Lynn back when you were a youth pastor or both of y'all yeah. as parents. Did you ever have those youth or those children that wanted to know too many details? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're hesitant to dole out. <laughs> what, what are we doing next? You're hesitant to tell all the specifics because one. Well, you don't know exactly. They're going to keep bugging you and there's going to be a sense where there too much information is dangerous. And I kind of think that basically. If we were to have all the details, we would not be as alert. We would sure. be less prepared if we knew too much. And so God, in his sovereign wisdom, he, he, gave, he made us with incredible curiosity, but he holds off on fulfilling every aspect of that curiosity. I think, I don't know what y'all think, I think it's to keep us at our spiritual game. I mean, in our, you know, it, it top alertness. What, what do y'all think about why he doesn't tell us the day or the hour? Oh, I think that's exactly uh, spot on. I think if, uh, if we knew a specific time, uh, for a lot of people, they would just kind of slack off in their witness, their walk, uh, just till the moment it comes. It's, it's like the kid who knows he's supposed to clean his room. He's supposed to clean the kitchen, this and that. And he literally waits for like five minutes before mom is coming home and he scrambles and he does, he either doesn't do it, does a poor job, doesn't do it well. Um, we just wait till the last minute, and that's not beneficial to our lives, or certainly not beneficial to our witness. Yeah. Well, Cl Cliff, you mentioned that uh, uh, a lot of people have written and made predictions about dates, and uh, that those become uh, times that people talk or have their attention drawn to to this issue. Uh, but I just can't think. I can't. I can't tell you the number of influential people in my life who've made the statement. Well, if someone predicted a specific time and date, 
I can guarantee you it won't be that date and time <laughs> based on <laughs> verse 36. Yeah, oh, that's kind of a, a surefire way to say, you know, who's who's off, basically. <laughs> uh, the Noah illustration had to be very uh, vivid for the people, because though Noah was, of course, centuries earlier, it was still probably the most popular story that the Jews passed along, you know, in their oral teaching. And I think that we're sort of, well, right now, we're in the days of Noah again, you know, uh, I mean, the point was, it was the most wicked time and it was, they didn't know the flood had come until it swept them away. And I think that Christ is likely just reminding us to not be so <coughs> in this present time that we forget about eternity and that we quit watching and waiting. So that is the other uh, side of that is he's, you know, it's people were eating, drinking, married, giving the others a marriage. So it's normal stuff of life. Uh, that was what was going on in the day of Moses, right? Uh, Noah, yes. right? Right. And so it's not just the partying and the ignoring God, but yeah, it's just doing the, so much of the dailies that you get your eyes off on the main purpose of life. Yeah, I'm sure that's part of it, too. Cliff, you, you shared something interesting uh, as you explained this passage where it talks about the one person will be taken, one will be left, and one will be taken. You pointed out that for many people, if you have a rapture, they look at this as it's the believers who are raptured. They're the ones who are taken and the non-believers are left. Yet there's others who equate it like what it was like for Noah's, uh, with Noah and the ark and the flood, that the ones who are taken are those who are swept away in the flood. And it's the believers who are left. Uh, and he, I mean, there's good arguments on both sides of that. But I like how you just point out the key thing to see in this is that there will be a separation, a marked separation between the believers and the unbelievers. I thought that was a fascinating way to point that out. Well, I think it's important because, you know, one of the, th one of the th ways to poorly interpret scripture is what's referred to as proof texting. So there are some that are very intent on pushing a belief in a pre-tribulational rapture. Uh, there is obviously you can you can arrive at a pre-tribulational rapture with biblical support, but even those who believe in a pre-tribulational rapture don't always look to verse forty as support for it. In other words, so if, if you're just trying to piece verse together to, to to show this is what I believe, and so look at verse forty says two will be in the field, one will be taken, another left. That one was raptured, one wasn't. Well, the context of this is not a you know tribulational thing this is this is talking about the return of christ there are some that believe that the the rapture and the second coming are one event that there's not two distinct events uh, you can that can be explained as you look at first uh, first thessalonians 4 but but nonetheless um so i i would basically look at the context of verse 40 and 41 it's since it comes right after the illustration about Noah, it's probably better to interpret it as the sudden judgment that will come upon unbelievers at the return of Christ. In other words, we don't want to read into verses, verse 40 and 41, something that we get from another passage to, to basically do what's called isogesis, where you read into the text rather than exogesis, which is you take out of the text. But nonetheless, it's certainly not an issue that's worth uh, busting up a class over. Uh, you can have some good discussions, but you do want to keep in mind uh, to your students, uh, as you discuss, 
context will be helpful in interpreting that. Great point. It really is. And and one of the things we want to do, especially this far into the stage, we don't want people to get uh, sidetracked uh, running after things that um, um, probably aren't the, the primary focus of the passage. Right. Which can happen in an end times conversation. I would say so, it does happen. Not that it can. It does. <laughs> Let me offer this conclusion. Uh, we're having a great dialogue, and I'm confident that you, with your group, you're going to have a great conversation, too. But don't leave your group with just, hey, we had an interesting discussion about the second coming. Think about, okay, how does this, how does this affect how I live my life this week today? Take time to talk about application uh, in your personal study guide, your daily discipleship guide. You have some suggestions there on ways you can take this and apply it to your life today, this week. And I think that's important that it's not just, hey, we had this interesting conversation, but consider how am I, how am I gonna, how, how does this help me strengthen my walk with Christ? That's a great place to land. One question that we use to kind of get at that, Lynn, is this one, how can our attitudes and actions ex- express uh, trust in God's timing? So that, that, that just is a, a an open-ended question that maybe we'll, Uh, cause people to have those kind of conversations uh, from an application perspective that you want us to get to. Well, thank you again for being with us on our our podcast today. Cliff, thank you as our writer for coming to share and give uh, insights to those uh, who are listening to the podcast. It's been a great pleasure to meet you and have a chance to have a conversation with you today. Thank you. And we are thankful that you have joined this podcast as well. And we pray and hope that you have a really good discussion and Bible study this week. 